0: You are listening to an episode of The Witch Doctor, a serial fiction podcast based in the Fallen Cycle universe. The Witch Doctor contains adult themes, violence, strong language, and occasional invasions of existential dread. Written and read by Aquanimus Rex. Edited by James Curcio. You can find more episodes at AquanimusRex.com or fallencycle.com. And now, The Witch Doctor. Episode 8. A man walked through the forest shade beside a brook. Smooth stones crunching beneath his feet, he rounded the bank, stepping over and atop small boulders, passage to the other side. The brook fractured into a murky froth on the rocks that lined it, flecking his boots, hanging a brackish perfume in the air. On his back, the man wore a simple brown rucksack, from which the most peculiar assortment of objects hung. They swayed with every step, often striking against one another with audible clinks and clangs. Affixed to his pack were patches and metal charms, bones wound with copper, a menagerie of plants flourishing in corked bottles. The low-hanging branches of trees caught at some of his treasures, but he did not seem concerned. He was shod head to toe in patchwork, salvaged and bound with frequent and crude stitching. A hood covered his head, and a black bandana masked his face. Two halves of mismatched sunglasses, welded together in the middle, obscured his eyes. He gripped a walking stick, some piece of deadwood from the forest, in one gloved hand. In the other, he held a dried grass basket, the top of which was covered with a piece of cloth. No firearms, no weapons of any kind could be seen upon his person. 182, he muttered. 26, 6, 182, 26, 6. The stranger stopped, examining the edge of the brook, studying its lines and curves. Mosquitoes buzzed, maddened at their inability to pierce his skin. He swatted at them, half-heartedly, and mumbled curse words when they'd fly under and get caught in his hood. When a loud crack emitted from the forest behind him, he paused and turned silently towards the trees. Bursting out of the foliage, a brown and white dog came hurtling towards him. God, he exclaimed from beneath his bandana. Calm down, would you? Sit, sit. The dog skidded to a stop at his feet, nearly knocking him into the water, missing only by inches. It was a stocky and muscular mutt, but not large, its head only reaching to the man's knees. The dog's tongue lolled out playfully, dripping and wet. It squinted, and its ears flopped to one side proudly. Stay, the man ordered, and he held a hand up toward the dog and stepped back to look at the stream. After a couple of seconds, the man cursed and looked back at the dog. It was sniffing at a cluster of pale ferns beneath an oak, 20 feet from where he had been. I told you to stay, he yelled, shaking his walking stick at it. The dog turned and looked at him, moping and sat next to the ferns. No, that's not what I... The man started but gave up and sighed. Come here. Snapped fingers pointed to the ground. The dog cast dark soil into the air as he launched towards the man, spun, and sat dutifully at his feet. We're gonna have to work on that energy. The man sighed. Why don't you go take a nap? The dog responded by chewing on its testicles shamelessly, making guttural, wet noises of ecstasy. I'll have fun with that the man said, and he continued on his way down the side of the stream. The dog, not wanting to be left behind, followed him, loping alongside lazily. 26, 182, 6. The words rolled off his tongue like spittle, he didn't even hear himself anymore. They were walking away from the river now, a much larger, much nastier waterway that flowed parallel to the brook he hadn't wanted to get near. Having scouted southward, he found the river smelled like blood and aerosols, something upriver no doubt leaching into the water, he guessed. That river's a goddamn hazard, that's for sure. I wonder if the townies drink it. They can't be. He mused as he trod. 182. Almost 6 months back, when snow had covered the ground and breath turned to steam in sub-zero air. The stranger had first approached, then given the town a wide berth. Considering himself a seasoned veteran to territory travel, he'd been cocky, eschewing the respite of the resettlement in favor of a more hasty northern trek. His goal, so far out of reach for so long, was finally close by. The Wilder, or more accurately, would lie within. Miles to the west, he'd found a half-collapsed bridge, never repaired. The two of them, man and dog, had climbed across the rubble. They had entered the forest beyond. The same forest through which they now walked. The original trek through the wilder had proved slow, ultimately dangerous. At first appearance, the woods had seemed normal, if bleak. The ground, already thick with snow. Bereft of leaves, the trees had looked skeletal, cautionary, warning him from approach. But the further he got past the ice-dusted scrub brush, the wider the spaces between the trees, the fainter the light of the world beyond seemed to fade. The man had watched the material reality of the land shift, relics of the past, gone wild, flourishing, despite sense, in the cold seasons as assuredly as the hot. Around here, Tumors and growths grew haphazard through both flora and fauna to such an extent that spotting a specimen lacking such telltale disease was disquieting in its own right. Flightless birds jumped squawking from tree to tree, spraying the dog in him with clouds of musk. Carnivorous pines, sticky sap needles curling around a perfectly healthy looking robin. Cat-sized woolly toads hunted squirrels with forked dual tongues. He'd seen a few of these last ones up close, hopping and bleating along the edge of a makeshift camp. The dog had tried to antagonize one. Being almost assuredly poisonous, the man was forced to tie a length of rope around the dog's neck. He'd taken care to knot it so as to ensure it remained a fixed loop. Creatures of instinct and a counter-intuitive anomaly, the both of them. They had run out of food, been forced to trap prey, dried scraps of rabbit and squirrel thrown down the bottomless well of their combined hunger. The man had been hesitant to forage. The wilder was... abnormal. And he was uncertain about the extent of taxonomical divergence from the southern lands. With the flux, it seemed part and parcel with the wilder. Despite the hardships, the ruins had called him. He knew that there were ruins in the area. There was no other reason a resettlement would exist this far out in the territories. The land was hostile to agriculture. There was no way to reliably capitalize on the lumber that the forest no doubt represented to the locals. Not a lot going on, not a lot able to go on scavenging would be the only way they could retain even the most tenuous of connections back to the domus to civilization many border towns had grown along the edge of the wilder the stranger had seen more than a few of them most fell apart rotting abandoned within the first few years the territories were a nightmare place as far as anyone civilized to the south was concerned and to most accounts the sentiment was carried equally by locals the land bore uncanny illnesses, muties, and held dangerous relics. Rumors abounded of savages, the Essel, wilder folk, who had made the land their home. Whispered to have adapted to the land after the purification, an event barely recalled by citizens of the Domus, the great deportation of undesirables that had occurred long before anyone alive had been born. These days, if you broke the devout's laws, you got shipped south. But decades previous, it had been common practice to send folks north to the territories. The practice had been deemed a kinder, gentler form of punishment. A replacement for the oft-utilized methods of burning, hanging, and firing squad. Happy day! You've been promoted! He imagined a deacon saying, You've gone from undesirable to expendable, aren't you just overjoyed? Bastards. The man had only seen a glimpse of the territories, of the wilder. Already his heart bore deep sympathies for those who had been forced out there. A cool breeze licked the back of his neck. Though his body continued to walk alongside the brook, his mind stepped backward, further into the past. A crunch crack, whipping pain against soft lips and eyelids, ankles snagged by ropey vines sending him sprawling forward, scrambling, pushing up against the snow ice wedged between nail and pulp, muscles tearing. They were being hunted, pursued ceaselessly for two days and nights. The dog lurked closely, never straying, its flaccid tail hung between its legs. It ran with its master when running was called for, but it drooled, its eyes twitched uncontrollably, and the man knew the dog could not keep it up for long. The man had entered into delirium, into the paranoia that lives at the root of terror. Pinprick sensations, frostbite, skin deadening, and going hard. At times, convinced he was nearly succumbed to Wode's great, endless, and bloody hunt some believed awaited the wicked soul's ebb from this world. Last shreds of reason gone. Emboldened, half dead and desperate, the man seized a head-sized stone and circled back on the predators. His eyes rested upon a track in the snow, and he waited and listened. They were of a size and dimension he had never seen, and as he studied them, the rock fell from his fingers and he ran without looking back. A full sprint, blessed by that fabled second wind of the runner and the doomed. Time passed, the sun rose, and shattered architecture peaked between treetops, ruins, buildings, Steel, concrete, and Euclidean geometry, the dead grass still erect in the snow, grabbed at him as he broke free from the forest and stepped out into the remnants of a long-dead civilization. He walked slowly, with crunching footfall, dripping red blossoms in the snow. Bleeding, he realized. I'm bleeding. The dog whined, ears perked, then shelter. A frantic race against unconsciousness, a fire lit deep sleep. The present came back to him. The dog was growling. The man squatted, setting his basket and stick beside a rotten stump. He raised a hand and made a soft hissing noise and the dog fell silent, hunkering down on all fours, ears back. The man removed the strap of his rucksack from one shoulder and leaned the pack down next to the basket. He heard sounds from over a slight hill. He stretched forward and walked on all fours silently, closer and closer. When they got to the top of the hillock, the man peered through his mix-matched sunglasses. He saw three men around a campfire amid an assortment of packing crates and an overturned canoe. Hey folks, it's me, Aquanimus Rex. You just finished listening to Episode 8 of The Witch Doctor, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us again this week. I'd really like to encourage everyone who's a fan of the show to visit my site while I have you here for a second, Uh, AquanimusRex.com if you haven't already. Link will be in the show notes. I've been producing art related to the podcast, including maps of featured locations and in-world propaganda posters, stuff like that. I can't share it on the podcast, so if you want to see it, you're gonna to have to mosey on over to my website. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and getting some sweet rewards, both digital and physical, check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash witchdoc. Patrons can get access not only to a patron-only Discord channel and Facebook group, admin by myself, but at various tiers. You can even get a shout-out on the show or a sweet enamel pin of the show's logo. Created in partnership with Amund Zalvatron of Prism Meta Magic. Link in the show notes. You should seriously see these pins. They're extremely high quality. You can find all of this and more at Patreon.com/WitchDoc. The Witch Doctor is part of the Fallen Cycle Mythos, a collaborative transmedia project spanning multiple works, including but not limited to comics, musical albums, novels, and more. You can find all current Fallen Cycle projects on FallenCycle.com. The music in this episode was created by James Curcio, P. Emerson Williams, and Scott Landis. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at the Fallen Cycle Bandcamp at fallencycle.bandcamp.com or P. Emerson Williams' Panic Machine at digital.panicmachine.com. Special thanks to James Curcio for mastering the audio.